0: the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast. I'm Sean O'Reilly, and joining me today is Elemental Health Founder and CEO, Arup Roy Berman. Arup, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hey, pleasure to be here, Sean.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, so long time no see. Um, I, it's been a while since I got to meet a founder in person, um, but I happen to be traveling on the West Coast and you happen to be based in Oakland, California. And uh,
1: I we got to eat lunch together last week and break bread. It was really, really cool. It was fantastic. Really great to meet you and, and the rest of the King Trout team. The, uh, yeah, it was a good
0: lunch. We, um, unfortunately, you had to part ways. You are the founder and CEO of a uh, startup, so your time is very, very busy and stacked. Um, really quick, can you give us like two-minute elevator talk on um, you know, who you are, your background, and um, what Elemento does?
1: Sure. Uh, my quick background, I'm a physician entrepreneur. 20 years of practice in critical care medicine between Stanford, UCSF, Children's Oakland, and Kaiser. Um, in that world, I've seen that rapidly rising tide of complexity, healthcare complexity, really overwhelm our staff. And seeing the challenge of how do I keep everybody on the same page? And seeing a world where we still resort, you know, like you've seen those pagers, we resort to the binders, the flyers, the emails, People can't get the information fast enough. They can't find what they need. And if they do find it, they can't digest it. So we said, why can't we take that type of information that's crucial to you delivering safe practice and deliver it into bite-sized chunks on any device, whether it's your personal mobile or your desktop, that you can engage it at the point of care or at ODARK 100 on a Saturday night when it's top of mind so you can see what you need to do the right way. And if you do it the right way, you're gonna decrease practice variation, you're gonna decrease errors, you're gonna deliver safer care. And as a provider or a nurse, you're gonna feel all the more satisfied that you're delivering the best care possible to every one of your patients. And saving lives, right? Absolutely, absolutely. If, if, if we didn't, as, as a nation or as an industry, if we didn't make a single new discovery, if we simply implemented what we already know, healthcare would be leaps and bounds ahead.
0: That's crazy. What, um, so you mentioned like clipboards and stuff. Would you say that by and large, most of America's hospitals are operating like, I don't know, it's 1980 still or what?
1: Well, if you look at uh, the adage of See one, do one, teach one. That adage goes back to the middle ages of when oh you're the apprentice, right? And then you go and teach somebody else. That still happens teach in Teach somebody how to today. use a leech, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but instead of see one, do one, teach one, when you're able to capture that in bite-sized chunks, get your rock star nurse showing how I do that dressing change. And you have that in the palm of your hand. You can see it anytime you want. You can see it a million times and you can do it right. Every time. This is, so that's uh, that's you know technology yeah. affords us so much more than what we have already done in medicine. And healthcare, I just need to understand it. it's a it's an inherently risk-averse industry. Right. It's they the don't idea want to be of,
0: responsible for doing something wrong, basically. Yeah,
1: you think about the Hippocratic Oath, right? Was do no
0: harm first do no yeah. harm.
1: Yeah. Well, if it's first do no harm, I'm just gonna sit back and do things way we have always done it. Right. And that's the death knell for healthcare. It's gotta be, let's look beyond. And what we're talking about is not some new rocket science. It's applying principles that have been established in most every other industry vertical. Use technology, not as a stick to beat me and force me. Use technology as an enabler, as a carrot, to give me what I need in the moment so that I can be better. That's what our healthcare providers want.
0: That's all awesome. This is uh, healthcare training for the YouTube generation. <laughs>
1: absolutely i mean why did why did why is youtube why is google why is facebook why are they so successful because we can pull that bite-sized nugget of what's contextual and important to me right now don't give me the whole textbook give me that little bit of nugget that i need right here in the moment and that's what our um you know our generation z and our, our our millennials all of them have been you know the joke is they've been born with a you know, a, a smartphone in their, and their diaper, right? And Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they, they've known this from such a young age, but so much of our healthcare leadership, technology is still kind of foreign to them yeah. and they're scared of it, but you got to make that leap and you got to meet your workforce where they are For sure. and deliver to them the information in that the way that they actually want it and the way that they can use it. If you can do that, you're going to make a phenomenal leap in healthcare outcomes.
0: So you started out, I mean, you've seen some things. You ran ICUs, you've worked at
1: prestigious hospitals, you've done all this. When did you start Elemento? So there's the idea of starting Elemento and there's the deeper idea. Actually doing. Yeah, (laughs) and and, and there's the deeper idea of why I did that. From just a very practical sense first, um, I would thank Salesforce, and Mark Benioff and Lynn Benioff for the opportunity to be able to actually develop this idea when I came to UCSF uh, back in 2011 at that time Salesforce had put in a lot of philanthropy to the university and what it also did was brought to us Salesforce to be able to use in different ways to pilot in different use cases. And I remember asking my colleagues, "You guys know what Salesforce does? No. Uh, Do you know what CRM is? No. Uh, Do you know the cloud or customer relationship management? No." This Um, is a decade ago. That's this is a decade ago. Crazy, but but what they did know was that Salesforce was investing a lot of philanthropy to improve healthcare. Um, But what we said was, "Hey, you know, they're using the cloud to be able to deliver information to their clients." and to be able to measure what their clients are doing, what their clients want so that they can better service their clients. Well, how about we use that same paradigm and think about us in healthcare leadership, using the cloud to be able to empower our customers, our customers in this case being our frontline staff, those nurses, the young doctors, the RTs, everybody at the bedside, give them the information they need, start measuring from them what they like, what they don't like, What else they're looking for? And once we know that, let's get ahead of the curve. Instead of being reactive to mistakes, let's get proactive, understanding their needs, and let's deliver the content that they need to be able to close those gaps. That was really, CRM was the inspiration for the technical aspect of Elemental. What does
0: that, so for those that are listening on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now on their jog or whatever, can you ex- give us a use case for El Mono's frontline product and what I don't know, a nurse or a young doctor might use this for to, to, to basically do their job correctly?
1: Sure. Let's say that um, I'm uh, taking care of a patient with a central line. A central line is one of those big IVs that are indwelling for days or sometimes for months. You see that frequently the cancer patients have those yeah. or other critically ill patients. Um, those lines give phenomenal access to us as physicians to be able to give medications, to be able to measure pressures, to be able to draw blood so easily because those lines go straight to your heart. Um, the downside is, is that if they get dirty, the bacteria go straight to your heart and oh, it gives you sepsis. And, yeah. you know, if you get an infection through this, the likelihood of death is about one in five. Oh, um, so you don't want that to happen, and we know what you need to do to be able to clean it the right way before you access it. We yeah. know the right way that you should change the dressing, but so often people do these practices the wrong way, and that introduces risk and introduces infection. So yeah. say I'm a new nurse coming in, I've got to change a central line. I can go into Elemental and I can say, "Hey, here's you know one of my rock star nurses' peers." showing this is how we do the dressing change in our institution with our products, with our devices, with our resources. So it's really custom to and what like I am a, doing. It's here. like a video of
0: them. doing. You can it have a video directions? of that.
1: That's in, in, in that can be in two to three minutes that they watch right there. Some will watch it right before they go in and do the procedure. Some yeah. will watch even the setup on that in the room. I'd so be pausing set it, up it the right like every way. few
0: seconds. You and- <laughs> can pause every few
1: seconds. And to that point, how did we iterate over time? We have Many other processes that the best way to be able to show that is through snippets. I don't yeah. want even the three minute video. It may be a series of pictures, key pieces of each step, or a series of you know gifs or gifs, however you pronounce it, um, that are that are coming in, showing each step of what I need to do, so I can see that little loop over and over and I said, "Oh, this is how I should be holding the needle, or this is how I should be scrubbing the hub, or this is how I should be attaching the syringe. And if I do it consistently the right way, those bacteria don't get in. Your infection rates go down. Patient cool. safety goes up. So that's, that's one powerful. use case. Yeah, you know, you can sure. see it there. And a- another one that I want to share, just because, you know, we've all been hit um, here in some way or another by the pandemic. And to our, you know, colleagues, you know, in the South or some of the other really uh, parts of the country hit hard by Delta, they've got a huge staff s- staffing crisis. Yeah. Right? you can't hire people fast enough to fill your deficits and you're paying through the nose to be able to bring in travelers from around the country. But now somebody is brought in suddenly to an unfamiliar environment in a high risk situation, high stress situation, high stress situation. And so many of them, there's stories of where people have come in and on day one, they've said, you know what? I can't, I can't do this. No, I'm out. (laughs) I don't have the support that we need. And you know, and if and if you look at this on, you know, we, we often talk about these nurses as our frontline heroes. And now let's think about COVID as being a war. And those nurses are our frontline troops. They're going into battle without the equipment they need to succeed. Right. Yes, they've got their PPE and stuff, but it's the knowledge, it's the tactics. How you know, even as simple in my institution, where's the bathroom? <laughs> you know. Where, 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 where are the? Do you have directions you know, where, for that? I'm kidding. You know, no. yeah, no, no, yeah, but it is like, honestly, we've got when you've got travelers in, it's a, even a roadmap for my hospital. Or where are just basic things that I need to know? How do certain things here work? What equipment do I have? What resources do I have to get my job? And where do I find those things? What are the workflows that I need to do to be able to refer out this patient when they need to go to the ICU, or if I need to be able to put them on a vent? you know, what are the resources that we have here? Or if I'm going to flip them prone, how do I do that in this organization? That type of information, we can have right at their fingertips. So when they come into the stressful uh, uh, instance, they've got the information they need in the moment to be able to succeed.
0: That's, I mean, it's incredibly powerful because not only does it, um, you know, how many of us have not asked a question because we didn't want to be embarrassed or something again, like where's the bathroom or the boss is busy or whatever. Um, Not only that, but it, um, it empowers you to just figure it out for yourself, which is really how most everybody learns it truly you get in there and you do it. Yes. Yeah. very. very to,
1: To that, to that point is that, and we've heard this from many of our clinicians, doctors and nurses is that I am so busy. I want to do the right thing. If you can give me that information to do it the right way, easy, if I can pull it up right here, I can find it right now, I will do it. But if it's going to take me, you know, many minutes or hours to go and find this information, I don't have that time. My patient doesn't have that time. And I'm just going to have to wing it. I got to do the best I can with the knowledge at hand, or I'm going to ask that person next to me and play that game of telephone. How do they tell me to do it? And I'm going to do it that way.
0: Well, and you're taking time out of that person's day from doing their job. I mean, this is a compounded yeah. time suck in a way. Yeah. And
1: uh, there's an um, added twist to what you had said about, you know, I don't want to raise my hand and ask where the bathroom is. In healthcare, you know, in some ways, knowledge is power. And we've got a very old system where, hey, if I know the answer to this, I'm smart. If you don't know the answer to this, you're perceived as not being smart. Well, that's why people don't like to raise their hand and say, I don't get it, because they feel lost. that it's showing in- ignorance. Yeah. It puts them down. But on the other hand, when you have that information at your fingertips, and you can look at it on your own privacy, yeah, that's powerful. That's why already in hospitals, people have been going to Google. They've been going to YouTube. God knows what they're going to find, if it's actually relevant for them, or it's dangerous for them but they're resorting to that because they're desperate for finding ways to be able to get the information they need in the moment.
0: That's awesome. Um, really, 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 really powerful tool there. Um, how many hospitals have you signed up so far?
1: Uh, we are in say the, publicly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, uh, in the mid twenties. That's awesome. Are there, are they all out in California? I think you mentioned some, no, of those they're coast. around the, they're, they're around the country, um, uh, both West coast, East coast. And in the south, I am proud to say that we have clients in blue states and in red states, and they are all sharing knowledge and collaborating with each other. Awesome! Um, you know, yeah. we we have common ground because we all want higher quality healthcare at a lower cost.
0: Fantastic! Um, so, um, Arup, the real reason I wanted to have you on the show was. Um, you know, our listeners, they're primarily early-stage, you know, startup investors. Um, Kingstred is a startup investing platform. And whenever I talk to a founder, there's always something I learn about that can be applied to other situations, much like you, you know, you're sharing knowledge with other healthcare workers and everything. And um, your story was so fascinating to me because it, it reminded me of um, a, a talk that Simon Sinek gave that, uh, he's like a coaching corporate consultant guru guy um it was like a ted talk in 2010 but it was kind of what's your why and it talked about uh the differences between um you know like an apple and you know just another computer maker or something and he was like what makes the difference why is apple so much better and it's because they flip it around most people start with you know hey we make great computers and i don't know brand new hewlett-packard it's probably a great computer but Apple flipped that around and they say, you know, we believe in thinking differently and outside of the box. We do that by empowering creators to think outside the box themselves with great tools that are easy to use. We happen to make computers. Do you want one? And and it's like a mic drop moment there, but it's true. And, um, you know, listening to your background, I realized like, wow, this founder who, you know, founders and CEOs, like majority of the time with a startup, we're betting on you. Like it can be a great idea, a great product. That's lovely. But it's mostly on you, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you had a heck of a story. And so I wanted you to share a little bit about that, because not sure. only is your why a powerful endorsement of you and what you're building at uh, Elemento, but um, I don't know, it, I, I hopefully our, our listeners today take something away in what they should be looking for in other founders.
1: Sure, I appreciate that opportunity. And I want to preface this by saying that the story I'm going to share with you all is not one that... I've shared much publicly prior to this only recently have I um, opened up about this and that's after getting a kind of green light for, for my family on this and um, releasing the positive nature of it. So um, let me share with you, Sean, here, my why. And here I'm sharing on the screen. This is my sister, uh, Urmila uh, She was born um, end of, 1971. Um, And at that time, she was born with uh, congenital heart disease, uh, ventricular septal defect, it's something that is pretty standard nowadays. And she was cared for uh, very well by one of the premier children's hospitals uh, here in California. Um, So in 1976, um, when I was in second grade, uh, my sister went to the OR uh, for a very simple surgery, that was what would be her final surgery um, for, for treating her, her, um, her heart defect. And she went into the OR, uh, went under anesthesia, and something went wrong. There was a mistake. And with that error, she died, and she died in the OR. Wow. It was devastating, to say for my parents something that they still remember like yeah. yesterday. And, you know, I remember being at home after school. It was like the second to the last day of uh, the school year and the phone rang and the the sitter uh, handed the phone to me. And my parents told me, um, Oh man. And, and you I obviously
0: I was, never forgot that.
1: I never forgot that. Um, my family was blessed in that, um, had another sister born a couple of years later, who looked remarkably like Ormila, and who's gone on to become a doctor herself. Um, but for ormi, um, uh, that that uh, memory has really been seared in my family's mind. And I have no doubt that subconsciously, she was the driver as to why I went into medicine. I went into pediatrics. I then went into yeah, you mentioned that. critical care yeah. and then taking care yeah. of children with congenital heart disease. Um, so, you know, she, she's my why for why I went to medicine. She's my why as to why the impact of medical errors is very near, dear, and personal to me. And when I continued to see patients die from preventable mistakes in top-tier institutions, mistakes made by well-intentioned, hard-working, well-educated staff—we're all human. Though, all know? human, yeah. And you they, know? you know, they couldn't pull the information they needed when they needed it. You know, it's not like a hundred years ago where maybe a nurse had, you know, ten things that he or she had to master. Now it's like hundreds, thousands. We can't realistically expect anybody to do that. And so why can't we through technology help them? And if we do that, we can avoid having those types of mistakes that affect other children, other adults, other families. Um, Because as a healthcare system, there may be an error and it goes down as just a statistic but for the person or the family involved it can be a life-changing never goes away you can tell yeah unforgotten event that 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 lasts with you for the rest of your life uh thank you that's that's my thank you for
0: sharing that that's a very big deal um yeah that's so powerful so um you're you're honoring her memory in the best way possible, it seems.
1: You know, I had an interesting um, uh, experience So, where I hadn't shared this uh, story publicly until a little over a month ago. I was invited to uh, present to an organization called the National Patient Safety Board, created by patient safety advocates, somewhat analogous to how you know they want to be like what the NTSB is to the um, to the airline industry. And um, they talked about the value of how to be able to take safety policies to practice. you need to partner with industry. And that's why I was invited. And given that this was an audience of patient safety advocates, I shared my sister's story. Um, and after receiving a positive response from different members of the audience, I relayed that to my parents. Um, I had not liked to talk about this because it was a painful memory. It's so for the painful, family,
0: yeah. You know? So painful.
1: And and I was, you know, my parents said, one, it's wonderful that you still remember her oh, so wow. well, and for us that means a lot because after we're gone, you know, you're the you're the the last family member who remembers her. And the other one was, we're happy that what happened there has been used as an inspiration for helping so many more people. And that comment from my folks really made me comfortable with sharing the story and really honoring her memory in a way that can help so many more.
0: For sure, that's awesome. Um, Not to reduce anything any family's experience to a statistic, but do you have any, any data you can share on how prevalent this these problems are in, in our nation's if, hospitals?
1: So, all right, so I'm going to give you a couple of different problems that we're helping with. You know, the immediate one that everybody hears about is staffing and the staffing yeah. crisis. You know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that by 2024, we're going to have a deficit of one million nurses in the United States. I sure. mean, there are going to be one million openings that are not full. The reason for that are multifold. One of them is that nurses who have had a long career, the Boomer generation, are retiring, yeah. so they're leaving from the workforce in mass. COVID has actually accelerated that process. Um, the other one is that as those Boomers retire and are moving into, you know, needing more complex care. Care that both patients and payers now want, not in the hospital, but in the skilled nursing facility closer to home, or in home care, actually in your house. That is increasing the demand for right. caregivers coming out there to support them, and the increased complexity is requiring more people to be able to support it. So you've got a problem with both a supply and demand. Right? Yep. Like this is you know. it, so that that gap is huge, and then you know. The way that what nursing's had to go through in this past few years, it's not the most attractive job to jump into. Granted, salaries are going up and comp mm-hmm. is going up. Yeah. but it, It's a tough job. And um, if your pipeline is also drying up there, that's going to contribute to the issues. Now, if we look in the situation of doctors, um, everybody's now familiar with nurse practitioners and physician assistants. Yeah, these are, we all
0: hear that, you know, there's a lot of things nurses can do these days if given the training, that you don't yeah. necessarily
1: need a doctor. Exactly. So that way we're able to work with the limited doctor supply by filling the gap with some of the nurses stepping up into these roles. Similar to that, you've got a gap of 1 million nurses. You will have others who are maybe a little less trained than the nurse, but who will need to help to step up to start to fill that gap. And for getting those people to be able to move up, nothing's better than giving them contextual training in the moment. You're not gonna be able to pull them into years of classroom training, but what you can do is give them that information at their fingertips. So these are different ways that you know we're, we're helping on the nursing crisis with being able to onboard your staff faster, shorten that time to value, being able to support them so that they stay longer where we're also able to help all the others level up to top of license and to be able to unburden those yeah. areas where we have so much strain.
0: Is there, so, yeah. um, so who who would need to step up to fill the shoes of what the nurses used to do? Are they people that have certificates or technical? You, you can something?
1: have the LVNs, the LPNs. Uh, you can have the medical assistants who can step up to yeah, fill that's right. yeah. some, some of the gap, not everything, but they can fill some of it. And frankly, what's ultimately going to happen is more and more people at home, families, are picking up the brunt of what's needed.
0: That's what's happening with COVID too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what? Um, are there enough, you know, LPNs and everything to fill that million-person gap, or we
1: are we in for a world of hurt here? I think we're in for a world of hurt. We've got to start doing what we can now to be able to mitigate that. And I have no doubt that family members, lay folks are going to have to step up to be able to help. And they're deathly scared of this. So, you know, we're gonna have to find ways to be able to support them in the moment. Is your product
0: currently available to just me if I want it?
1: um, So it's, 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 we have product demand from our clients from healthcare systems to be able to make a version that can be uh, family facing. That's something that's on our roadmap, but it's not in our immediate right now business uh, plan, uh, yeah. which it's is coming. focused on frontline staff. Yeah, it's, it's coming. Yeah. And, and now when you talked about um, the problems, you know, we talked about staffing there. The other big area that, of course, was our inspiration was area was errors. Yeah. And, you know, medical errors had been for the past several years, the number three cause of death. At the moment, wow. COVID has surpassed oh. it.
0: Yeah.
1: But errors oh, are heart
0: huge. attacks.
1: You have heart attacks and cancer
0: okay yeah so yeah wow and more than strokes more than
1: yeah car accidents yeah, there, there will be attacks. some people some people will um <laughs> uh, some people will, will um you know uh, on that piece of attribution well was that really due to the error or was it due to their underlying disease the underlying disease brought into the hospital but then the mistake happened so it's a contributor in some way or form and if you take the stat of. You know how many people die from medical errors? It's the equivalent of like two seven forty sevens crashing every day, it's which would make news problem. in every absolutely. way. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: Today, absolutely. two planes crashed into. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. How many people fit on a seven forty seven? Is it like two hundred people or something? I think it's
1: like three hundred something. Wow.
0: Yeah, so this is six hundred people a day, give or take. that were
1: six hundred people a day. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, and is that, um, is it, so the thing you mentioned earlier was kind of sanitation in a way, the the direct line to the heart with the bacteria and everything, Mm -hmm. is that, so that's taking in everything, so that's not only sanitary, like doing the line properly, but also like, I I doubt this actually happens that much, but like, you know, nicking the wrong artery in surgery or.
1: So yeah, so there's two things, there's one about how do you insert something and how do you maintain it? Yeah. On the insertion end, that's often done much more by the, um, the physicians and the uh, associated physician extenders. That's, they're the ones who are generally doing those. Uh, but the same thing we've had for our doctors, uh, examples of playing that same central line. Yeah. Um, we've had at one institution where the residents in training have said, every attending physician tells me to do this a little bit different way. And I want to know what's the right way. So the faculty got together and said, look, this is the best practice. We're elementalizing that. And now every resident line. as they yeah, as every resident comes in, it's like, oh, I see there's the standard approach. I've got that there. I can do that. And what was super cool with this is that, you know, they had kind of the step by step on how they place that central line. And they started off with a picture of their supply card. Hey, this is in our ED, these are where the pieces are that you need to get to make it easy for me to find it. And so then they made it shareable. So another ED hundreds of miles away said, ooh, I like that content. I'm gonna approve it for my house except for what I'm going to change is the supply cart because I got a different supply cart, but the rest of the procedure is the same. So I customize it from my house. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm sharing knowledge from what my peers have already awesome. done successfully.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, well, Rube, thank you again for sharing You know your story, your mission. Um, I think we can all learn a lot from you and your family's journey. Um if people are interested in learning more about Elemento and your, your current fundraising around, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find us on Start Engine. So if you go to the platform Startengine.com, um, look for elemental health there. Um, and um, I think uh, we can share out some other links. You'll find look for elemental yeah, I'll health put them on social media. For sure. You can yeah. you can find it, th- find us through there. Awesome. Um, I wanna um, call out that. For the investors on the crowd, I am thrilled that we have our clients in the mix. That is, nurses and doctors that's that we right. are serving. You told me that at lunch. Yep. They're nurses. In. That's right. That was so cool. And that was, that was really the impetus for us for doing the crowdfunding is that when the they nurses were, saying,
0: were like, hey, that's awesome. I want to invest in this. Yeah. I want to
1: be part of it. And so we invite other frontline heroes to join. Everybody's a patient to join. Our goal is to create a movement. It's not one that we just need to push down to say this is the safe practice or this is the safe way to do. We have a vision where every hospital has their patients saying, look, I understand that my providers, my caregivers are all human. I wanna make sure that they are empowered with technology at their fingertips so that they can deliver the best care to me. And in that way, we wanna create that pull in the organization to bring in safety solutions, ideally us, But frankly, in the big picture, if anyone else comes around like us, so be it. But be able to empower our frontline heroes so that they can succeed and deliver the best care possible to every life they touch. Uh,
0: That was awesome. Uh, Thank you again. Um, I will put the links in the description. And um, yeah, I, I hope to see you
1: again soon. Sounds good, Sean.